Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts, John the Vernomatic Verno and Metal Forever Mark. Good evening, everybody. I'm the Vernomatic, and welcome to this week's show. As always, Brand new content drops every Thursday night. Visit the website, MetalMayhemROC.com. There, load up on past episodes. There's an archive drop-down box. Download, share, review. That kind of stuff helps the bottom line. We have direct links to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, however you consume your podcast content. Do yourself a favor. Sign up for the email newsletter. Now, when I tell you this, it's not just, you know, me trying to get you onto the newsletter. It's your chance to win free merchandise. This week, we're giving away another copy of the Rob Helfer book, Confess. We just happened to receive another one in the mail the other day. And we also have a, a video DVD of the pictures in the uh, Rockers Die Hard Journey from Dean Lorenzo back in January. We had a podcast about the guy that did a great book of meeting rock stars over the past 35 years. So Dean sent me a few of the video DVDs with all the pictures in the book. So it's pretty cool. So go to the website, fill out for the newsletter, and it automatically gets in the drawing. Tonight's show, it's a real good one. They're all good, but tonight is really fun. Today, I had a chance to talk with Nigel Glockler the drummer of Saxon, 45-year veterans of um, metal from the UK, part of that new wave of British heavy metal movement. Well, the band just released a covers album called Inspirations. It's a, it's a killer album, and it has uh, cover songs from, like, The Stones, Painted Black, um, Immigrant Song, Zeppelin, uh, Thin Lizzy, they have some ACDC on there, some Motorhead, some uh, uh, the Kinks are on there. You know, half metal, half classic, but they put the spin on it like only Saxon can. So uh, the, Nigel gave me a call and we talked about the album, but then we started talking about, you know, Saxon and the metal world and, you know, just their whole career. It's um, it's a great, great interview. Uh, he, he's a great dude, shares tons of tidbits. So uh, that's what tonight's show is. Want to remind you and, and invite you to come to the Metal Mayhem ROC live radio show Monday nights on thatmetalstation.com. Now, a lot of you have been checking it out, and I appreciate it. There's a chat room there. It's a totally interactive, and it's our way of staying in touch. I play requests. People in the chat room get to know each other, and, you know, it's pretty cool. So that's Monday nights. Go to our website for directions how to get to it. It's real easy. So that's about it. Uh, Metal Forever Mark. Last night, we had a chance to do an interview with Roy Z, the guitarist for Bruce Dickinson's solo bands. He wrote a lot of that material with Bruce, and he eventually moved on to help Rob Helford 
and when Helford rejoined Priest, and he actually ended up producing Angel Retribution. So we spent a couple hours talking with Roy Z. That's probably going to end up being one or two episodes. So we got a lot on the docket now. Things are jam-packed. We're in April. Things are getting serious. So I'll be back after with a couple songs leading out of the interview and leading out of tonight's show. For my co-host, Metal Forever Mark, I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC, and here's a blast of ACDC, Saxon, Nitro Glockman. So we're excited today to have on the line from Dallas, Texas, drummer of Saxon, Nigel Glockler. Nigel, welcome to Metal Mayhem ROC. Thanks, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good. Uh, listen, got to get the obligatory question out of the way. Everyone's safe and healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's cool. So. So, so do you live in the States now? You've been here for a year and a half or ever since COVID? I mean, I was living in Austin for three years, just outside Austin. And then, um, you know, I had to keep going backwards and forwards to the UK for for our work and stuff, whether it was recording or doing festivals or gigging in Europe, whatever. And um, I've just been back actually about a week because, you know, with the COVID thing, everything got put up in the air and and I've got to go back again in about three weeks to see what's going on again. So, uh it's just nice to be back, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. You have a new album out. The band put something out during the COVID inspirations. It's a yeah. collection of not so much your favorite songs, but a collection of your favorite bands. And how do you decide which artists to do and which songs from those artists? Well, I mean, everyone, you know, everyone submitted tracks. You know, so and then we sort of just went through them and sort of figured, yeah, these, you know, these ones ago. I mean, there were quite a few sort of deeper, deeper tracks sort of said, but we thought, well, we'll keep it sort of pretty, you know, the tracks pretty well known and things that sort of influenced us in the past when we were, you know, learning our trade, so to speak, learning our instruments and then and stuff that sort of in, still inspires us, shall we say, you know. And then we just sort of honed them down to uh, these 11 tracks that are on the album. And there's two other tracks that are on B-sides of the singles. Where could I find those? You might find them on the Saxon site, actually. there's uh, We did a version of Shoot, Shoot by UFO. Okay. And, uh, and we did a, a, a track by Mountain, um, One Last Cold Kiss. So, as I say, they're on the B-side of the singles. So they'll, they'll be around somewhere on the, on the internet. All right, well, let's start at the beginning. You have a double dip of uh, you, you did the Stones paint it black and Zeppelin. A couple questions. Yeah. 
Have you ever played with either of those bands? And how far back does the friendship go? Um, what the friendship with who? Us or no, no. <laughs> you know, it's besides being contemporaries. You know, you guys grew up together, so you decided to do a Stone song. Yeah, I mean, I've no, I've never met. Well, I've met Ronnie Wood actually, but uh, but I haven't met any of the other guys. Um, so it was just sort of things, you know, just sort of tracks we sort of heard when we were growing up and stuff like that, you know, things that, I mean, you know, I started, I started drumming when I was seven years old. So I, I got into music pretty early on. So it was just, you know, it was just stuff that was on the radio and everything, you know? Sure. Sure. Uh, what about Zeppelin? Ever have a chance to meet any of those guys or play yes, with I've them? Met Jimmy, I've met Jimmy Page. Yeah. I met him, uh, backstage i think it was at um who the hell i'm trying to think who was playing i mean white snake were on the bill and so i met him but i met him backstage nice guy we had a yeah you know, we had a chat about stuff you know but i haven't met any of the other guys mm-hmm. now you, you you did a little hendrix now you yeah. you grew up or you, now you're from the uk correct yeah yeah back when jimmy was coming through the ranks he relocated over to that area back yeah. in the day did you have a chance to see hendrix in his no formative? i didn't so no i didn't only on only on tv okay you know, um which was annoying because you know friends of mine have sort of since said oh yeah well i went to that or i saw cream and i was going oh what you know yeah. <laughs> i wasn't really going to gigs at that sort of time you know yeah, um, I was thinking about that because in the KK Downing book, uh, KK yeah. mentioned that he actually was he saw a lot of uh, Jimi Hendrix. Right. I don't know how close of age you are with KK or in your location of growing up, but were you not going to gigs at at that time, or you didn't have a chance to see Hendrix, or? No, I just wasn't going to gigs. I mean, the first gig I ever went to was uh, Grand Funk Railroad in uh, in 71, I think it was. They played a free gig in uh, Hyde Park in London mm-hmm. with uh, Humble Pie was supporting them when Pete Frampton was still with Humble Pie, just before they bought out Rocking the Fillmore. And that was my first gig. And the second gig was Black Sabbath on the Masters of Reality Tour. Where where did you see that? What venue? Uh, at my in my hometown of uh, Brighton, in Sussex, south of England, were they as? And I'm familiar with the with the Sabbath history. Were, Master of Reality, that was like their second or third album. How big? Third out, yeah, that was the third album. Yeah. How big of a band were they at that point compared to like now? I'm, I'm not now, but like as they escalated through their career. Oh no, they sort of they sort of went up. I mean, that that was that was a sort of gig that it was a, a gig called the Dome in Brighton, and that was that was the venue in Brighton really for you know for the major recording artists. You know, I saw Uriah Heat there, Robin Trower. So you know all those things. If you wanted to, uh, you know, later on, then um, you know you went up to London to see to Hammersmith Odeon and stuff. And it was there. I saw kiss on their first ever tour. Their first tour of, uh, of the UK, UK. What tour was that for them? Oh God. I'm trying to think. I think that was about the period. I think that was the period when the live, when the first, you know, a live album came out, I think. 
Actually, I'm not, to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure. I think it was about, it was 73. I think it was 73 or 74 because I bought, there used to be um, a Virgin Records store in, in my hometown and they, had, and they had an import version of the first album. It was sitting there for weeks. No one was buying it because no one had heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I just went in one day and I thought, oh, damn it, I'll try it. So I bought it because I like the image and I was a converted Kiss fan from then on, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they pretty much um, blew up once that live album came out. That's right, yeah. You know, so. That was the one that did it, yeah. Now, circling back to Sabbath, on the Inspiration album, you did a cover of Evil Woman. Yeah. Now, the funny thing here, or the ironic thing here is over here in the States – that song, which was originally a cover of uh, the the Crows, yeah, um, that wasn't on our version of the first album. Oh, wasn't it? No. So growing up all those years, you know, I had the first album. It yeah. was it, it it wasn't on there, and oh, okay, it wasn't made available commercially on a U.S. release into until two thousand and two. So what was on it instead? Or was it just or was it just missing? I'm not sure if it was missing or the single in the States was Wicked World and Evil Woman wasn't on the album. Hmm, interesting. It was weird because I knew the song from Evil Woman from the original, but then, yeah. and then it came out, you know, twenty years ago it was released. So but the question is, you grew up with that song. Did you know the song from Sabbath or because there was only a year difference from when the Crows did it to when Sabbath covered it? Yeah, I only knew I only knew it from the Sabbath version. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's a cool tune, but it's like a little different than the rest of the Sabbath even though it was from that time period. I never yeah. knew, I never knew that they didn't write it. No, at the time I didn't know either when it came out, but uh no, it was just one when I got, you know, when I bought the first album. I mean, I got the first album pretty soon after it came out. So it, so it was always that one and uh, and the actual track Black Sabbath. Those were the two I was always playing. Motorhead, you did the Bomber cover. Yeah. I got to ask, was that something that you put in? Seeing it's a heavy, filthy drum song and bass drum. Bass <laughs> no, it wasn't. That wasn't one of my choices, actually. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, we were all, we were friends with all the Motorhead guys, you know. So uh, I can't remember who who suggested that one actually. What, what did what were you partial to on the Inspiration album? Evil Woman was one of mine. That was one of mine, and the other one was um, one of the other ones was the the uh, the Mountain track, you know, One Last Cold Kiss, which is off the Flowers of Evil album, because I was a mega Mountain fan. Mm. Yeah, I've had a, I'm sorry, you had a tough couple of years. All your guys are passing away. I know, I know. It's like, it's like, but I always remember with, you know, because, um, you know, I'm I'm still back in the day and still now, I was a massive Cream fan. Mm-hmm. You know, Felix Papalardi produced a couple of Cream albums. And um, when I suddenly heard he was in this, what was being touted as the American version of Cream you know, back again, back in the day, I suddenly thought, who the hell are these guys? And I had to buy it. So I went and bought uh, Mountain Climbing, you know, which had Mississippi Queen on it. And after that, I just sort of bought every Mountain album that came out. 
So you discovered him by the recommendation of the cream producer. Yeah, because yeah. he yeah because he was the bass player. Yeah, how many times has that happened? You exactly when your idols <laughs> recommend something. Going into the deep tracks on this, I see there's one American release on here, Toto. Yep. Um, great band, but how did that get on there? It's sort of different than the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, actually, that's the one that's getting the, uh, the most notice, actually. Um, no, you know, a couple of us are real sort of in, into Toto. I mean, Jeff Beccaro is a great drummer. Funnily enough, it's, it w- would have been his 67th birthday today, actually. Um, oh. No, he's a, a great player, you know. And uh, no, good band. And, you know, we, we, we'd done some, d- did some festivals with them a few years ago and everything. So I met them all and everything. So it, it was, I don't know, it was just something, you know, we thought let's let's try this and see what we you know what we can bring to the table with it and i think it's worked really well we're speaking with nigel glockler drummer of saxon the brand new inspiration album out a collection of some of the band's favorite songs favorite artists i have a question from a listener okay uh jimmy neff of the bronx huge saxon fan he wanted me to ask you Okay. Uh, what is your favorite Saxon album? And what is your favorite song to perform live? And, <laughs> and he asked me to tell you, Vernomatic, please tell Nigel, Saxon are great, and thank you for the 40-plus years. Jimmy from the Bronx. Well, Jimmy from the Bronx, first of all, thank you for that, and thanks for being a fan. You know, we really, we really do appreciate that. Uh, favorite album? Oh, God. Um each album's got its own sort of identity for me. You know, Power and the Glory was an important album for me because it was the it was the first studio album I did, and it was where I sort of uh, had to put my mark on the band, so to speak. You know, I had to prove myself because Pete Gill, the previous drummer, you know, he had a lot of fans. He was a great player, but uh, that was an important sort of that was an important one for me. Sure. Another yeah. fav- another favorite album of mine is um, Sacrifice. Um. But each album's got its own sort of, you know, memory for me, shall we say. So I couldn't possibly pick one. They've all got they've all got um, songs on there that are that are favourites. And uh, as regards live, I mean, I enjoy playing things like This Town Rocks. Um, there's lots of stuff I couldn't I can't really nail it down to to one or two. I just couldn't do it, you know. What I what I enjoy is, um, you know, sometimes if we've been out on the road for a long time, you know, we might suddenly pull one out of the uh, pull one out of the hat that we haven't played for a long time. You know, that's always fun. Yeah, is it to the point now? Sometimes bands when they go on tour, and mm-hmm. I don't consider Saxon one of those bands where they have they have to play ten to twelve songs, no ifs, ands, or buts. Do you feel you do have the luxury of going back into catalog or playing a couple extra new songs off the new one? Yeah, I mean that's the sort of thing. That's the sort of thing we do. I mean, we we sort of jiggle around with the with the with the set list every tour. You know, um, obviously you've got to play. There's certain favorites that fans expect. 
But I mean, again, fans have got their own favourites. I mean, what some fans might like one track, other fans might hate it or don't want to hear it anymore. You know, so you just can't please everyone. But we we try and keep it. You know, we try and play something for everyone. You know, off off a lot of the albums. But obviously, you can't play everything. Otherwise, you'd be you'd be on stage for a week. Yeah, you know? sure. You've been doing this long enough that you know. <laughs> trial and error exactly exactly and uh, and the other thing is certain tracks certain tracks work great on a tour and then but then you might have to change it to a you know if you're doing a festival yep because obviously a festival is more party spirit i guess you know and you know there and, are a lot of variables set length and yeah, lo- location yeah, exactly I'm exactly. sure you could get away with a different set list over in Europe as opposed to Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true as well. You know, we put when we come on tour of the states, we put we might you know change the set list around a little bit. Moving forward, uh, what's going on with the Saxon camp? Right. Well, we you know we were due to play. I mean, we had a load of festivals due to play last year. Um, obviously, when the COVID thing hit, we, a lot of them got cancelled or postponed. There's one UK festival, I think, that's supposedly happening in August, um, a festival called Bloodstock. And I think we're, yeah, as as per it was going to be last year, we're sort of on the bill with Judas Priest, which would be quite nice to see them again. Uh, we're on directly before them, actually. Um whether that'll happen this year, I don't know, because it all depends on how the pandemic fans out. Um, apart from that, the next shows we've got are January, because, uh, you know, we had the 40th anniversary shows, which got postponed, which have been postponed twice. Mm-hmm. But because of this, I mean, they were due to be played this May, but it's too soon. You know, there's not going to be any big gigs happening then, so... They've been put. They've been put back to next January, and uh, around that time, we'll be releasing a new original album stuff. You know, uh, of original stuff, which was due to be sorry, which was due to be released this February, but uh, again with the pandemic, the record company didn't want to release it without us touring. So, so hence they said, why don't you do a covers album? You know, because now we've got a gap in the schedule. You know, we're not releasing your new original album, so why don't you do a, a covers album? We we can release that in in place of it, and uh, you know, give you again. So that may, meant that the uh, the new original album wasn't quite completed. They're finishing off the guys are finishing off the last few bits as we speak. Um, obviously, because the um, Inspirations album took preference over doing that because there was no rush to get this other album finished. So that's what's going on. So presumably, you know, if everything's okay in 22, then we'll be touring. Now, when you're, when you're doing inspirations and the um, yet entitled new Saxon, was it a file sharing thing? Were you guys in the same area or, well, no, we got, we got together. We did a bit bit of a Led Zeppelin. Actually, we, we went into a, went into a stately home. Oh, really? Which was really cool. Yeah, it was some someone uh, Biff knows someone that takes care of this this stately home, and uh, the family aren't actually living there at the moment because uh, it's going through some. I think they're having the electrics renewed, and 
some of the plumbing and stuff. So, and because I think another another member of the family is moving back into it once this is done. So they said, yeah, sure, you know, you can use that. So that's what we did. We set the the guitarists um, were set up in in the library. The, the the thing was that there was no heating in the house because no one was living there, and uh, so the only heating was in the kitchen because there's like um like a, a stove in there that's always on. It's like uh, whether it's gas or coal, I'm not quite sure. It's a thing called an Arga, mm-hmm. and it does the heating around the house, but the the house heating was actually turned off. And the only other so that was that. So we were hanging out in the kitchen all the time just for the warmth. And where the guys were was uh, in the library, and there, there was a log burner in that, so they had that going. Where I was in the stairwell, there was no damn heating at all. <laughs> yeah. So a good job I was drumming, so I sort of worked up a sweat there. Otherwise, I would have been freezing. Nigel, let me ask you something. When you joined yeah. the band in 1981, yeah, did you, in your wildest dreams, think you would still be doing this 40 years later? No. No, I, I really didn't think because there there was a sort of thing, you know, there, I mean, even before then, there was a sort of thing sort of in, in the sort of early 70s and late 60s. There was a sort of seemed to be this thing. Oh, well, if you're 25, 26, <laughs> you're too old, you're gone, you know, or you're 30, yeah. which is a load of bull anyway. But uh, no, I, you know, I, who knew what could what could go on, you know? I had a sort of, I sort of had a feeling I could still be doing music in some form, but, but the fact that the band's gone on this long, I, th- I think it's great. And, and again, you know, I've just got all the fans to thank for that because, you know, without them, we wouldn't be here. So thank you to all of you. How have you seen the new fans? Younger? Have you you've been at it for so long? Have you seen a generational turnover? Oh yeah, I mean we we get youngsters up the front all the time, every year, every year. There's youngsters there, so it's great, as you say. There's a generation sort of uh, sort of generation turnover, but you know we get all, all through the generations. We have you know the audience is totally mixed. That, that's awesome because you'll never see me up in there. I don't think I could, but um, <laughs> you know it's a young kids young kids um, area. But yeah, that's awesome. You know, you just don't stick around that long. I mean, the thing, sorry, I mean, the thing is as well, which we, we try to do, which is, you know, depending on some gigs, obviously club gigs in the States, you know, there's an age limit, you know, which is, which is a drag because, um, so the, a lot of the, the real youngsters can't get in, but mm-hmm. when we play sort of arenas and stuff, I think that's, I think that's allowed. But, um, you know, in, in Europe, definitely we get a lot of youngsters in. In Europe, are they still doing a little more festival, like general admission, as opposed to seating and reserved in the States? Um, no, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of the gigs, a lot of the gigs in Europe aren't seated. You know, um, a lot of the gigs we play aren't seated, but I mean, even... Even Hammersmith Odeon, they've taken the seats out of it. Now, whether they put them back for certain things, I couldn't tell you. But, I mean, you know, the last times we've been there, there's the, all the all the seating on the on the main area has been has gone. But they're still seating up in the balconies and stuff. Yeah, the, the days of that here in the States, the hockey arena tours, you know, those are like non-existent now. 
It's mm. it's you know it's the shed tour, the outdoor summer amphitheater tour, and that's all reserved seating. Oh, um, right. Maybe I don't know what the Saxon tour is. Maybe you know last time you were here, it was um, correct me if I'm wrong. It was the Deep Purple Judas Priest. No, you guys were with Judas Priest and um, Black Star Riders when I saw you. That's right. Yeah, we were in we were in the middle. Yeah. So it depends on the tour, but there's yeah. there's a couple show segments we like to have fun with our guests, and one of the uh, one of the segments is called the Mount Rushmore of Metal. Many have tried, most have failed, only a few survived. This is the Mount Rushmore of Metal. So in this segment, Nigel, I like to yeah. ask the guests their top four of something, hence the Mount Rushmore. So I'm going to ask you if you <laughs> if you can off the top of your head and have fun with this, sir. The top four best tour stories that you could share with us throughout the years. Oh, oh God! And, you know, just just something that comes to mind. Something that someone listening to this will be like, "Oh no, shit! That sounds cool." Yeah, no, it was funny actually. Um, talking about this, it was like a. A few years ago, a guy contacted me and he was doing a book about drummers. So he just wanted drummer stories. So this kind of uh, <laughs> reminds me of it. I'm trying to think. Okay, one episode was we were trying. Um, I used to when I was doing a, when I was doing a, a solo. I thought, well, we'll you know we'll try out the flaming sticks thing. <laughs> So we had that. I had, you know, what would happen was I was doing the solo, and then then the lights would the lights would drop, will go out actually, and my my tech would have these other pair of sticks with um, with stuff wrapped around them with wire and stuff, you know, like sort of material, and he'd soak them in lighter fluid, right? And mm-hmm. um, so the idea was, you know, the lights went down. He'd light these things and hand them to me, and then I'd start sort of bashing around the kit you know with these lighted things hitting symbols and stuff and uh, and then i'd hand them back to him and then continue the lights were gone i'd be back on my normal sticks or for a while actually we had some sticks with some paros in the end that shot out about 10 feet and uh, so i'd pass those and then that would be that would be in the dark as well and then he'd hand me the other sticks well i remember one time we, i think it was one time i was doing this solo and um the wire holding the, the material came came off, and the material, which was like absolutely on fire, unwrapped itself with a stick and wrapped itself round my wrist. Oh no! Yeah, so <laughs> so I sort of threw the stick out my hand, you know, I threw the sticks back. He wasn't ready, and where he was sitting behind me, he had a towel where he catch the drips from the from the lighter fluid when he was when he was loading the sticks up and i threw this stick back it hit the towel and the whole thing went up basically i set my drum tech on fire (laughs) so that your your experiment with lit lit sticks lasted one gig oh no 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 we got we got it together after that that was just this one this this was just this one thing when this damn you know the stuff holding the the rag in place just came off. And as I said, the rag unfurled and wrapped itself around my left wrist, you know, so I just threw the things back behind me, you know, but uh, no, after that, we got it together. So I used it for a long time, actually. Going on from that one. And then uh, after I'd put the, uh, 
Actually, I've got to sort of stop there because uh, he wasn't he wasn't badly he wasn't hurt. I've just got this vision of his horrified face with these sort of three four foot high flames behind him, you know. And um, then another time uh, after that, it would be then he'd hand me the sticks with um, with the paros in, and there'd be a guy at the side of the stage that would be ready to press the button and set them off. And stupidly, I stood up and held these things in front of me, waiting for him. And stupidly, I turned them back towards me as if what's going on, they haven't gone off for a split second. And quickly, I rushed them back to the front and they went. I mean, thank God they didn't go off while I was looking at them. Yeah. You know, they were literally six inches from my face. You know, I just thought, what's happened to them? Oh, and I put them flipped them back and they went bang. And they used to go out about 10, 10, 15 feet, these things. When did you drop all pyrotechnics with drum equipment from the set? Well, it's sort of because, you know, I don't know if it's the same over here, but in yeah, I guess it is. In England, you've got to get a license to use sort of pyros like that. And the fire brigade have to come in and check, check everything out to make sure it's safe. Yeah. You know, and in the end it just got ridiculous. So we thought, no, we'll do this. And, uh, so we sort of stopped doing it. <laughs> best best place for people to search out any Saxon-related information, news, tour, uh, www.saxon747.com. That, that, that's the best location. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, we've got that. We've got a Facebook. Um, so any, any of the Saxon things like that, I think there's a Saxon Instagram, I think, or I don't know. I don't sort of really. Yeah. I don't sort of really get involved with social media that much, you know. Well, well, um, we'll outline that all on our. Uh... Yeah, I mean, there, there are, you know, there's everything there. The Saxon site, and on there will be the links to everything else. So. All right. Well, we're looking forward to uh, Saxon in 2022. You're you're hoping yep. the, the new new album, early 22. Yeah. Yeah. Should be January February. Do we have a working title yet, or that hasn't been released? No, that hasn't been that hasn't been sorted out yet. All right. Well, Nigel, thank you for uh, spending the afternoon with us. You know, sorry about the mix-up again. All right. Thank you very much for having me. You know, it's been been great. Yeah. Um. You know, we'll push the new product in. We're always a fan of Saxon. <laughs> great. Thank you very much indeed. Okay. Have a good day, sir. Thanks. All the best. Attention metalheads, we all want to return to concert venues soon. Introducing Metal Mayhem ROC Metal Forever Freedom X Sanitizer. This sanitizer product is water and foam based, manufactured with proprietary HYIQ solution. That's right, no alcohol, but more effective. Manufactured following FDA sanitizer monograph guidelines. It applies smooth without irritating the skin. Safe for all ages. Keep your friends and family safe with Metal Mayhem ROC's own sanitizer. Visit Metal Mayhem MROC.com or metalforever.com to order your bottles now. Use promo code METAL at the Freedom X checkout store for a show discount. Now, now back to Metal Mayhem ROC. Nigel Glockler, Saxon. He's been in the band since 81. Great dude. The new album, Inspirations, cover release. Just because, you know, it's COVID, you heard the interview. So I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to leave you with a couple more tracks from this. 
I just want to remind you about the Monday night live radio show, Metal Mayhem ROC Live. That's on thatmetalstation.com. Thank you for your support. Get to our website, listen to some of the past shows, and sign up for the newsletter. For Metal Forever Mark, I'm the Vernomatic. You've been listening to Metal Mayhem ROC, and I'm going to leave you with two tracks from the Inspirations Saxon release. Until next week, always remember, keep it heavy. TV Radio.
Metal for Life. Thanks for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our websites at MetalMayhemROC.com and MetalForever.com for information on upcoming concerts, podcasts, archives, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. Catch us next time on WLFE-DV Radio. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.